Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 89 of the Audible Farm podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. I just got some more Couchtown Coffee in and... Mm-mm. Ooh, that's good stuff. I'm drinking some right now. Couchtown Coffee is my favorite coffee. It's roasted right here in Iowa. Each batch is roasted for whoever ordered it. So if you order coffee, they're, they're roasting a batch specifically for you. That's some of the coolest thing ever. I mean, if you want coffee, it's like getting custom-made coffee. How cool is that? It's roasted right here in Iowa, too. Can't beat that. And not only that, the roaster over at Couchtown, Andrew, will give you 20% off. How you get 20% off? Well, it's easy. You make an order at www.couchtowncoffee.com. And when you make an order, let them know Audible Farm sent you there. Enter the code word CUSTOM. Entering the code word CUSTOM will save you 20% on any order you make this week at couchtowncoffee.com. Check it out, Couchtown Coffee. Support local. All right, episode number 89. Who am I sitting down with this week? Well, well, the code word was custom, so I'm sitting down with a custom guitar builder. I'm sitting down with Steve Reiter. Steve runs SLR Guitars. You can go check him out online. We got links down below for that. We discuss how he got interested in, in building guitars in the first place, uh, You know some of the first steps he took as far as getting a hold of people and trying to bounce ideas off other people, some of his first builds, some of his craziest builds. Uh, we go through all sorts of good stuff in this podcast. It was really neat to sit down and be able to talk with Steve because there's not too many custom guitar builders around the state. Um, we discussed that very little bit in the podcast, but he's one of a very, very, very small group of, of people making custom guitars in Iowa, which is really cool. Uh, not only that, but his guitars aren't just aren't just for Iowa. I mean, we were talking after the podcast, he sold them all across the U.S. He sold some here in Iowa. So if you want to check them out, I highly suggest it, slrguitars.com. Um, we're going to get right into this episode because this one's a great one. I'm sitting down with Steve. I hope everybody likes this one. It's episode 89 with SLR Guitars, Luthier and Builder, Steve Reuter. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. Today, I'm sitting down with Steve Ryder. Uh, Steve, I actually found you because you commented on a, a post I had on a previous podcast featuring Matt Woods. And, uh, you know, it got me kind of to be like, oh, what is this? What is this guitar company that's commenting on my stuff? And I clicked on it and you're based in Iowa. Yeah, that's, crazy. That's, there's not, I want to say there's probably, how many guitar companies are based in Iowa? You, like one, one, <laughs> maybe. No. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen a couple smaller companies, um, kind of budding up here in the Iowa area, and I, I gotta say, it's really, really awesome. I love the fact there's some DIY people out there doing the things they're doing and and firing up some of these companies from start. Um, you run SLR Guitars. That's the company that we're talking right. about today. Yep. Yeah, and um, uh, how'd you get started in on this? Was it something that, like, when you were a kid, were you always, like, woodworking, or, or was there something like that, or how did it all... Uh, it was kind of, kind of a combination of woodworking and, like, a guitar obsession. I mean, I always thought that woodworking would be a fun hobby to get into after I, you know, got, after, you know, after college and got out on my own and stuff, and 
Uh, but I was just always obsessed with guitars and that, and I played, but you know, I was never great at it. And, um, I was in, you know, bands for like a, a minute, you know, nothing even played out just, you know, some rehearsal type stuff, but yeah. so I never got to be great at playing. I just was, I've always been obsessed with, um, like collecting guitars and just, you know, having, the, having them, I've always wanted like basically one of everything, you know, that yeah. <laughs> uh, there's been out there, but, um, so then after college and after, you know, getting a house where I had some room for equipment and stuff, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try some, um, you know, little woodworking projects. And in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, if that evolves into something with guitars, that'd be great. But I, I still thought that, um, you know, like basically guitars are made in nothing but factories and you're know, just like these huge factories with these magic machines that they just, you know, dump parts into and out the back spits like guitar. I mean, I, I had no concept of like what went into building them. And uh, I just, I had always assumed that like the people running those huge machines were just, you know, like the super skilled and I'm sure they are, but the, you know, like the, the tolerances built, it built into a guitar, like, you know, the measurements of the frets and mm-hmm. the size of everything. I just thought it was just all magic. I and mean, there's no way that I could possibly even, come close to putting something like that together and um because i just assumed that either you had this like magic guitar art piece that everything you know aligned and it worked perfect or you know like there was no middle ground between that and just like an unplayable paperweight like you know i always just thought if i screw just one tiny little thing up by like half a millimeter it's going to be absolutely unplayable and just a total waste of time. And so I just, I, you know, I, that's probably way too much for me to, um, you know, to bite off, you know, and, and I no woodworking skills, no nothing. And so um, I was just in the bookstore one day and I happened to look down and see this book called Make Your Own Electric Guitar by Melvin Hiscock. And I was I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, right. You know, these people are, you know, making these in their garage or something. So I just picked it up and started thumbing through it. And that's exactly what it was. I mean, he explained like uh, the steps to, you know, to go through from beginning to end on three or four different types of builds, like a bass and a couple different types of guitars. And, and just looking at it, I was like, holy crap, you know, I, I, maybe I could handle this. And, um, and in the book, I think there was references for uh, like uh, other small time, you know, kind of one man or, you know, small, shop operations and that that's when that hit me for the first time that holy crap all these things aren't made in just huge factories i mean there's actually people skilled people that can put them together and make you know something that's you know custom and unique and playable and so i started looking around at those resources and ironically there was a guy in des moines um his name's dave Plummer, and he unfortunately since passed away but he's uh he had a nice um shop there in, in Des Moines and uh, was made guitars for some big names. And uh, I thought, holy crap, I got to go, you know, just talk to this guy and uh, just looked him up in the white pages of you know Des Moines, give him a call and asked him if I could come over. And he said, sure. So went over and in like five minutes, we started talking about some sort of um, like uh, internship. And so then I was like super excited. And I'd, I mean, I had a full-time job somewhere else. And I don't even know what made me think I could just you know, take on some sort of internship at guitar yeah, company. You, and yeah, stuff. you got all but the time I, in the world. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't even care at that point. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, this is like coming together. I just learned yesterday that I could build a guitar, and now I'm going to have an internship at a guitar oh, company. Oh, wow. The turnaround was that quick? 
Oh, it was, yeah, it was all within a week. And, oh, and then, whoa. yeah. So then he looks at me, he's like, oh, okay. He got caught on to really what, you know, the situation was. And he's like, yeah, I'm not looking for somebody just to come in here and, you know, you know, like teach everything to on at night. Cause I was like, well, I work during the day. I could come in at night. And he's like, well, I work during the day. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So that didn't really work out, but, um, uh, but he, but it was super nice. And he's like, Hey, you just, you know, try, try to, you know, work out stuff on your own and you can just drop by here anytime with, you know, projects that you've got going on and I'll, you know, help you through, you know, rough patches or, you know, give you some advice on stuff. So that was fantastic. So I was like, Oh, great. Now I've got a resource and I've got a book and, you know, and if I screw something up, I can take it to this guy and hopefully he can point me in the right direction. And, and then, um, so the next day I went to, uh, I started collecting like little, you know, hobby tools, like, you know, small scale power tools thinking, you know, okay, I'll need a router and I'll need, you know, a little baby bandsaw and that kind of stuff. And uh-huh. so I was at the woodsmith store in Des Moines looking for wood. Cause I was like, well, I need some materials. And I started asking the salesman about it and he was like, Oh, what are you going to build? And I, I almost didn't want to say because it's still in my mind. It was like, okay, this is like insane woodworking projects, and I I haven't even built a shelf yet. And here I'm going to try to build the guitar. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, well, I want to build a guitar. And and he goes, oh, great, yeah, no problem. He goes, there's a guy that works here that builds guitars in his basement, you know, in his off hours. I'm like, holy crap, people what? are everywhere <laughs> building guitars, right? So he goes, yeah, come back the next day and, you know, tomorrow and he's working tomorrow and, you know, maybe he'll help you out. So I went back the next day and that guy was like, oh, yeah, I used to work with Dave and, and uh, you know, I'd work here during the day, but I build guitars at night and I'm, you know, I've got a full shop. And if you want to, you know, bring your stuff over, I'll take you through your first build and um, and you can take notes, ask me tons of questions. And so that's what I did it was um, and. And all of that happened within a week. So I went That's from wild. You know, no, you know, no, uh, no thought about ever building a guitar to like, holy crap! Now I'm going over to this guy's house, you know, once a week, and he's showing me everything I need to do. So it was, it was awesome. But um, yeah, so I just went over there and uh, had some materials, and he helped me plan it out. And I basically did all the sanding and that kind of stuff. But he did all the the cutting and measuring things that I could, you know, probably not recover from or could, you oh know, yeah. Take a, off or something like that and uh but when i you know at the end of the process i had a nice guitar that um you know that plays and it looks pretty good and i was like holy crap you know that guy did most of the work but you know this is definitely possible and i asked him probably a question every 30 seconds and had all these notebooks i was writing stuff down in so yeah i was um i was probably not as prepared as i thought i was for continuing to start building them on my own but um, but I've just kind of, you know, worked at it and got better and better over the years, hopefully. And I guess that's where it started was like this whirlwind week of going from no exposure to, you know, hanging out in a couple guys shops. Yeah. You went from not knowing how to swim to jumping in the deep end pretty quick. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah. I, um, I, I don't know, I, I probably should have started, well, I think I probably would have started with um, buying a neck and then building a body, which is what a lot of people do because um, the necks are kind of, you know, a lot more finicky. There's a lot more tight tolerance measurements in yeah. you know, con- involved with building the neck part. Um, 
But since I was going to this guy's house, I'm like, well, anything that I'm about to screw up, I mean, he could probably, you know, guide me away from that. And so I, I, I've never bought any prefabricated parts. I went right into, you know, doing everything from raw lumber. So that was probably a a big benefit because I probably would have, you know, I would have probably built guitars a lot faster if I would have bought, you know, pre-made parts. But, um, um, you know, now, you know, from the very beginning, I had an idea of really what goes into, you know, building everything from scratch. That's mind blowing. Like so much of this is, is crazy to me. Like it all started with you reading a book. <laughs> That's yeah. like the most mind blowing right. thing. Mean, like as a joke too, cause I picked it up going, yeah, no way. I thought this is, you know, the like, gimmick this is, you know, but, uh, it was, I still have that book and it's like beat to crap because I, it's a great reference and I go through it all the time. Well, I haven't been through it for a little while, but uh, yeah, all- it's a great book. Yeah, that's really. I mean, it's kind of funny because it goes along with like one of my favorite movie lines of all time. There's a a movie called Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, and one guy asks oh, another yeah. guy, "How did you learn to shoot your gun like that?" And the guy says, "I read a book. It came with the gun," and <laughs> and that always like stuck with me. It's like, "How did you learn to do this?" Well, I read a book, and that always seemed to be like, "Well, yeah, I guess you could probably just read a book and figure out how to do this." But it's mind blowing that like. I mean, even on a farce, you were just like, I'm going to pick this thing up. Just like you already had your nose turned up at it pretty much. And you were like, oh, oh, this this is actually really good. And you and you took it home and you followed through with it, which is probably the craziest part. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it was um, uh, if I was scoffing at my own level of skill or if, or at the, the the notion that a book would teach you how to build something that I still thought was like, you know, some magic process. But either way, I mean, I'm so glad I saw it because I. I realized that, you know, within reading the instructions in the book and and it having references in the back to other small builders, I'm like, holy crap. I mean, there's people that, that are really doing this, so why not me? I could give her a shot. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. It wasn't until – I mean, I played guitar for a, a, quite a while before I realized there was companies that were making – uh, guitars, uh, I want to say like on a smaller scale, um, and selling them. And they were like a big deal. One of the first companies I found out about was, uh, uh, the original Tobias bass guitar company was made by like all the bass guitars they made before like 1990, 2000, I don't know, somewhere in the mid two thousands, everything they made before that, before Gibson bought them was made by like three guys in a tiny shed. And I was like, I didn't know that like, you know, a small group of people could hammer out guitars like this. And I mean, that's kind of one of the things that intrigues me about what you're doing is the fact that, uh, as far as I know, you're just a one person operation making all these things, right? Yep. Just me. And I I had the same thought when I started, um, you know, once I started, uh, communicating with and finding information about these other small builders, more often than not, again, when, when I first realized it, I was like, okay, these guys have, you know, either they used to work at Gibson or something and they've got these yeah. fancy woodworking outfitted shops, you know, that they're going to. And, and more often than not, if I'd see a picture of somebody's shop or I, you know, see something on a website, like the internet was pretty new then, but I mean, you know, some information was out there. They were just like people's dirty basements and and you know small like little tiny woodworking shed that they were getting by with and i'm like holy crap if that or I, i've seen videos and pictures of people doing work on like their apartment patio like their you know like their deck i mean i thought oh wow oh, these guys can you know make an effort to put something together i've got a garage that you know it's not full of woodworking tools yet but i sure as hell got more space than than they do and i you know i can give out a shot 
Yeah, that's really cool. That's, I mean, I, I, I'm with you 100% on all this stuff because a lot of it seems like I, okay, so I'm going to admit this. Like, I've always wanted to build a guitar. I always thought it'd be really cool, but I took the short way out um and i bought like a guitar that's already made that could use some upgrades and then i like modified it a whole bunch and upgraded it so i didn't i didn't make a neck i didn't cut a neck hole uh i don't have a big shop i just kind of uh for better lack of better terms i kind of bought like a piece of junk guitar and fixed it up so it actually functions better and like when i was doing that i was thinking to myself i'd really like to try and build one of these guitars but then like the more i was looking at it, i'm like man, if I, if I paint this thing and I get paint in the neck hole, it's going to mess the way the neck action is. And I mean, I'm, everything about it was just like, I don't know if I could build a neck if I had to. And then if I was like, yeah. well, if I want to build a guitar, I could probably cut one out. But if you don't cut the neck hole right, the whole thing right, is right. the whole thing's a yeah, and that, junk, you know? Yeah, that, uh, that, that's a great place to start. And that's where a lot of people start. I mean, there's more guitar builders probably start doing that than they do, you know, just jumping in the deep end like, I did. And I, I mean, but I, I don't want to make it sound like I was super daring. I mean, I had those, I knew I had those other guys as, you know, resources and backup plans, like right in my backyard. So I, you know, I, I knew I had some help there. And, um, but I, uh, I think more players, um, evolve into builders the way you're describing because they have their own instruments that they want to get something different out of, or they want to, you know, make it unique on their own. And so they, they're tweaking things and modding things. And, and then that evolves into like, you know, bigger mods and then doing repairs. And then, you know, by that point they, they know all of the inner workings of how guitars fit together. And so like, there's probably only a couple little woodworking things that are, you know, still like, you know, they need practice with, or they're, you know, not sure exactly how they, you know, how they work. Um, and, and maybe I didn't start with tweaking and modding my guitars because, um, you know, from, at the beginning, before I started building, I was still kind of in love with all my, I mean, I still am, but I mean, I was in love with my guitars. There was no way I, you know, wanted to take the chance of, of jacking them up. And so, and I didn't have some, like another sound I was searching for or anything like that. I mean, I, I thought they were perfect the way they were. This is why I, you know, bought those particular ones. Yep. Uh, so I think it was probably more um, my interest, like my double interest in woodworking, which made me think, well, you know, I, you know, cutting out the body, and doing it from raw lumber will be fun. And, and if I, you know, I get to some woodworking exposure and some practice and if it evolves into a guitar that I can play, though, that's awesome. So, um, and at that way back then I kind of thought that, well, you know, I'll do some woodworking projects too. Maybe I build some furniture, maybe I'll do, you know, some other stuff. But I mean, once I built my first guitar, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't ever want to build that shelf. I don't want to build a chair. I mean, all I <laughs> yeah. want to do is build guitars. And so I never quite got around to, uh, uh, any spice rack or anything like that yeah. <laughs> when was the first what when what year did you make your first guitar uh it was in the early 90s so probably um like 93 94 something like that oh so that's when you that's when you picked up the book and started getting yeah. a hold of that's why you had to yeah. use the white pages right, oh, right. yeah there i mean yeah, the the amount of of internet resources that there are now um, is insane compared to then. And I I, I got lucky because when I when my interest really started to evolve in, in building, I mean the internet existed, but it, it wasn't um, uh, you know there wasn't a ton of just you know of sites out there and forums and that kind of stuff. And as I just got into the building um, process or the hobby. Um, 
you know, I have those local resources, like I mentioned, but also at that same time, like these internet forums just exploded with, so everyone who was in the same boat as I was, um, who had, you know, like a garage shop or just building their first guitar or their first 10 guitars or whatever. Now there's these online forums where people just share pictures and information and questions and problems and solutions and stuff. And so I, you know, basically before my second guitar was built, I mean, I went from, um, you know, just, just a few guys to, you know, a few, if you know, websites that had, you know, people all over the world that were doing exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I've never been, um, one of those guys, like the people that came before me that wanted to build a guitar and they just had to just practice on stuff and, you know, take it to their local, you know, guitar shop and say, well, what's wrong with this? Or, you know, I, I have always had the advantage of having a ton of resources to, um, to go to if I was stuck on something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people forget about is the fact that, uh, the internet hasn't always been around. (laughs) Yeah. I keep trying to explain that to my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I didn't start playing guitar until, let's see, I got to make a guesstimate on this, probably about 2003. And even then, like guitar and the internet, uh, the internet wasn't as blown up as it is today. You could go online and find websites or YouTube videos here and there of of people trying to teach you how to play guitar. Um, And I mean, nowadays, there's no no shortage of that. It seems like everybody's got a a YouTube channel trying to teach someone how to play guitar. And um, that's awesome, because actually, I I love going through a lot of like the Iowa-based people's YouTube channels on their lessons, and even then, you can find some cool stuff. But it's it's one of those crazy things to think that the internet uh, hasn't always been around, and you gotta kind of start somewhere. And a lot of people just don't. It's one of those things. It's how quickly we forget, you know, pre-internet, um, how you right. have to gather your information or or even network with people. Like we said earlier, you had to go to the white pages and. There's people that probably don't even know what the white pages are these days. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I haven't had a phone book in my house for 20 years or yeah. 15 years. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, it, one gets delivered every once in a while and it becomes, you know, like right another recycle bin. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that, that used to be the, used to be the way to, you know, find anything was white and yellow papers. But. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's probably something back in the, I don't want to say like uh, the early 2000s, late 90s, there probably wasn't too much around for like, if you go to the white pages and you flip to Luthier, you know, or if you go to the yellow pages and you flip through and you're like, there's not a whole lot of stuff in the Luthier section, you know? No, I can't imagine there was. And that, um, and it, I guess it's pretty lucky that I even uh, found Dave Plummer because I, I remember it was his, I mean, it was his personal number, like his, you know, it showed his address and showed oh, his, yeah. you know, his name and number. And so, um, you know, and it wasn't his, uh, you know, his business name and, and there was nothing in the yellow pages for that. And, and, you know, that, like you said, there was no internet where I can go to a, a web page. I mean, he since had a web page after that, I think, but, um, yeah, so it was just me calling on his home phone and, um, say is does a guitar builder live here (laughs) (laughs) that was and his shop just happened to be like in a two-stall garage that was or two or three-stall garage that was attached to his house and so oh cool uh, yeah it was just nice that he was um uh, courteous enough to you know allow me to come out and poke around and then also you know uh, let me come out there with any kind of issues And, and you know i did go out there um when i was working on a personal 
guitar at home while I was working on this, uh, the one, my first guitar in, in that other guy's shop. Um, you know, and I was just stuck on some stuff, you know, the, doing the actual woodworking myself. I'm like, okay, this angle's not right, or this, you know, this neck is totally wonky. And mm-hmm. and they were able to, you know, uh, they'd spent some time saying, well, you need to sand this this way, and maybe you try, you know, this different neck angle next time. And so it was it was great to go out there. I'm, I'm sure that's got to be a lot to try and process, because um, if somebody's ever just played a guitar and never actually looked into the schematics of building a guitar... There's a lot of angles. There's a lot of, um, even as far as like how far the headstock pitches away from the neck to get proper tuning to stay in tune. I mean, there's all sorts of goofy measurements that, I mean, even from one guitar, major guitar company to the next, like they might not follow the exact same specifications. And you, you, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's no written law as in like, this is the only way to do it, but I'm sure there are some like, typical guidelines like well most of the time the guitar needs to be built like this. right um, yeah there's uh, some kind of um not even written in stone but there's you know a few measurements or ratios that you know need to stay um within certain tolerances to get you know the thing to intonate or the thing to stay in tune or you know the strings to stay attached to the body and neck but um but yeah i mean i think there's a there's a lot of um uh, insane things that people, you know, certain companies, you know, this is the one way we do it and this is right and everyone else is wrong. And, you know, there's a de- constant debates about tone woods and, um, you know, neck angles and, you know, headstock angles and mm-hmm. spacing and stuff like that, that you could just go down a rabbit hole forever and, and get into. And, and the important thing for me to discover in all that is um, that further kind of like, solidified my um awareness that holy crap there isn't just one magic way to do this and it's not you know a piece of workable you know art or nothing i mean there's all kinds of you know gray area in between i mean obviously if i do something wrong it doesn't stay in tune or the strings pop off like well okay that that was a mistake i need to yeah from that but um yeah there's There is um, definitely more than one way to put them together, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, one thing I started realizing the more I got into guitars was, uh, I'll just use one model of guitar as an example, but uh, let's just say the Les Paul. Uh, The Les Paul has, uh, through the years, it was like built like a tank in its original years. There's no weight relief on almost any of it. The things were like 12, 13 pounds or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they started doing a little tiny bit of weight relief and it like, you know, shaved them down to about nine pounds or, or less. And uh, I mean, nowadays, if you pick up a less Paul, they're so weight relieved that the thing doesn't even weigh any more than a Fender Strat, you know, which to people yeah. that haven't picked up different guitars might not think too much about it. But I mean, I've, for a while there, I I've, was like a Les Paul freak show fanatic. It was like my favorite guitar. It just had everything I wanted in it. And I was trying all these different ones out. And I didn't realize that like the weight relief that was drilled into them um, made it all the difference in the weight. And back in the day, like a solid guitar, the more solid it is, the better the resonance and all this other nonsense. Yeah. But since then, they've figured out how to like weight relieve them and, and still get the best sounds out of them. Is that anything you've looked into, like weight relieving a guitar? Um, yeah, I see, I, um, I don't mind a heavy guitar. And so I usually, so I, a lot of what goes into what I choose to use is just the, the cosmetics of it. I like the look of wood. I don't, 
and I, and I like the look of a and feel of a super thin uh, finish, like an oil finish that allows the wood wood grain to kind of pop and you know maybe put a dye here or there on it to change you know a little bit of the color, but always seeing the wood. I, I've not never been a huge fan of you know solid colors and you know heavy uh, plastic type finishes, just because I maybe kind of goes back to you know why I was interested in woodworking. I like you know the look and the feel of wood, and so there's a lot of that 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 creates pretty damn heavy instruments and so mm-hmm. and, you know it's not for everyone i mean but that's probably the most um common thing that i hear or see people like on the internet trying out instruments and they always want to know the weight of it and they pick it up like oh jesus thing it's feather light and and i, I guess i've never really put much of a um you know, in my own personal guitars, I didn't, didn't really care um, how heavy they were because I wasn't, you know, sitting up on the stage playing them for hours and, the, you know, I could sit down and, and you know, mm-hmm. so uh, fatigue wasn't really an issue for me. But sometimes, like if I'm building something with a particular, it's usually the body is like a really dense, you know, heavy piece of wood because I like the, the look of it for the top of the guitar, I'll incorporate like uh, either, either um, scooping out um, you know, weight relieving it and putting a, an additional top on it. Mm-hmm. If if there was some other you know wood like a figured maple top or something put on there, or I'll just um, make a, like a an extra large cavity control you know control cavity in the back you know to kind of relieve remove some of the weight of it. But yeah. uh, there's no, I'm not really shooting for like a particular you know end goal on you know like okay the guitar's got to be under eight pounds or you know no one's gonna want it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with you on that. I've never been one to think too much about. Uh, oh, I need a light guitar so I can run around and do stuff um, on stage. I've I played for a long time with um, a very very heavy uh, Les Paul, and that was like that kind of trained me to be like, well, well, whatever. You can run around with something that's nine pounds or something that's five pounds or whatever it it's not that big a deal to me i guess the weight of a guitar i've always i'm kind of one of those people that you go on the internet and the people oh the heavier guitars are better and i'm, I'm always just like yes the heavier guitars are better you know and, and i just <laughs> right. a- agreed yeah. with them blindly and went with it but i've as of recently played some uh some very weight relieved guitars that have insane tones so i guess i can't say that you know the weight of the guitar is is the only bearing on on the way that it oh sounds. yeah for sure um, and i i know i've read all kinds of you know, studies, people either with, you know, uh, two exact guitars side by side, weight relieved versus non-weight relieved or, you know, different wood, you know, tone woods, mm-hmm. you know, and, and attempting to uh, measure the, you know, the tonal difference between the two. And um, I, I I guess I, I haven't played enough of the same types of guitars through the same rig in my ears, not precise enough, I guess, to really like pick up one and go, Oh man, that's crap. And then pick up another one. I just, I just enjoy the, the, you know, the, the experience of playing the guitar. I mean, if it, if it feels nice and it doesn't, you know, the frets aren't sticking out and chopping up your hands and, and you can get a sound out of it. And then I, you know, I, I'm still, I still enjoy it. I mean, I, I admire those people that, you know, can like dissect the individual frequency ranges of, mm-hmm. of a rig. It was like, oh, geez, you know, I need more 17 dB push on that. It's like, I don't <laughs> hear that. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Nerds. But, okay. <laughs> no, but, no, really, though, that's, amazing, but, that, it is cool but, stuff. I wish I had the ability to do something like that. Um, unfortunately to me, a lot of the differences are 
to what I call they're inaudible. I mean, um, some people will argue that the human ear can't even hear some of the differences that you can measure, um, which is kind of where I lean towards. It's like, well, I guess if you can't really actually audibly hear the difference, then maybe there, you know, isn't actually any difference. Right, right. I mean, some of that's also like a car, though. Um, Not every car is built exactly the same. And if the car drives well, then what difference does it make if it's got 450 horse or 400 horse or if it weighs two tons or 10 tons? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter, I guess. Yep. Yep. If it's getting you where you want to go and you're not frustrated the entire trip, then, and you know, then what's wrong with the one that you got? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, You were talking about putting uh, like some sort of a top on top of guitars as far as uh, you make it out of one wood if whether or not you do any weight relieving, sometimes you'll put like a, some sort of a figured wood on the top to accent the front of the guitar. I'm actually, I went to your website and I found a Telecaster that you built in your, in your gallery here that is, that has uh, one of those custom tops on it. Uh, What, I don't know if you're probably not next to your computer and can't see it, but I'm, what kind of wood was on this uh, Telecaster? Do you know? Because it looks like it's got some sort of a maybe maple or mahogany body. And oh uh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. It's, it's like got a, a maple brown. body, and it's yeah, it's a it's actually walnut. Um, and I found that piece of walnut in uh, like a cutoff bin at a um, a door and window supply shop in Des Moines when I was like, you know, just poking around whatever lumber yards I could find, you know, wood in. And uh, since it was like a short piece, they, you know, they couldn't sell it by the board foot, which is what they usually do for lumber. Uh-huh. And so they just had a price of four bucks. So I that <laughs> for four bucks and I thought, oh, this looks pretty nice. And and I took it home and I, I did what's called resawing it where I were book matching it. So I cut it down the middle and opened it up like a book. And so you've got, you know, kind of mirror images of each other left and right because it wasn't wide enough to use as a one piece top. So I sliced it down thin, opened it up and then and I'm like, oh, this looks pretty nice. And then, you know, so I I just needed, you know, something to make it a little bit thicker because I think the that piece of maple that I had uh, you know, wasn't quite as thick as I wanted it to be. And so I thought, oh, you know, this will this look pretty good. And then, man, after I sanded it, and as soon as I put um, any finish on it, it just kind of exploded with all this, you know, this curly figure. And a lot of walnut can do that. I mean, they like where the, the crotch of the tree, um, you know, separates like the branch, the big branches separate. They usually uh, save those pieces uh, because it gets like this really cool, swirly, figure in there and um it's a wood that i really like to use uh i'm i i'd tell you what this that telecaster i'm looking at is amazing i i'm gonna say this right now when i when this episode comes out you can scroll down below check in the description section go to the website check out the gallery some of these guitars are insane uh that telecaster even has telecaster even has a, a bird's eye maple neck is that right uh i think the fingerboard yeah the fretboard is um uh, bird's eye maple yeah that's insane that that's, was, that's one of my yeah, favorite woods it looks so pretty yeah that i've had a hard time recently getting a hold of uh pieces that are that filled with bird's eye i don't um know if the you know what's going on i've had you know some stuff um that i bought you know 15 years ago off the you know, ebay shops and things like that that uh, at the time the price wasn't insane and you know i've just had it you know drying or just resting in my you know shop someday for when i get to it and um and i recently used the last piece of it 
And so, you know, within the last month or so, I just started checking for more. And, man, I can't find anything that looks anywhere near, uh, you know, that that stuff for you were near the money. I mean, it's uh, if I do find something like that, it's just insanely expensive. So I guess I just got some luck, got lucky and got some cool looking stuff. Yeah. I do that. Builders in general seem to be, uh, it's pretty common to be wood hoarders. I mean, there's people that, um, you know, they always talk about, uh, well, I bought this piece, you know, 30 years ago, I've just been waiting to, um, you know, to, (laughs) to use it. It's like they dedicate, you know, twice as much space to um, wood storage as they do to uh, shop tools, and I and I am not unlike that. I mean, I've got some stuff that I've got more wood probably that um, to make. You know, uh, I'll I'll never get to the wood that I've got at the rate that I make guitars. So, <laughs> I I do have to say the the bird's eye maple has always been one of my favorites. Um, one of the guitars I really liked back in the day was uh, Eddie Van Halen made a Wolfgang guitar with PV. And they did bird's eye maple on the neck on that one, and it's a, a solid piece of bird's eye maple. So it's um, they they hogged up a bunch of it to make it, <laughs> but but yeah, that's why I can't find some. Yeah. <laughs> some yeah, of the I, I like the look of it too. Some of the original guitars they had the bird's eye maple. I think they were just using it as kind of like a test because I do have one of like uh, I I ran across a patent pending model, which was when they first started testing like the bird's eye maple neck and it looked pretty good. But then I got one from, I ended up buying one from a later year. That's, um, after they started, it was the patent had already gone through. So I bought a later year model and the bird's eye on that one is, is way better. And I think the, some of the thing was just the popularity of it or the demand of it. And, um, some of it is also, like you said, those, those guitar making people or places even are they just hoard so much wood and they source it from everywhere and they're just gobbling up all the good stuff and just hiding it in a warehouse um i'd like to point a finger at gibson uh they i mean they were known uh let's see it would have been in the early it would have been about 2010 or so let me google this Uh, yeah gibson um in about 2011 or somewhere in there uh got caught illegally sourcing wood so that was i mean those guitar dudes with uh the big companies, uh, they they buy so much wood and they just hog it all up and stick it in a warehouse. And and Gibson was um, they got in some hot water in the 2010s yeah. a few different times I, for doing things like that. But I mean, yeah. that, that's probably not something you have to run into to look and worry too much about because you're only buying tiny quantities. And and even you, like you said, you you bought the the walnut for this guitar out of a scrap bin somewhere, which is ingenious. Right. I would have never thought to do that. <laughs> That's a huge advantage that I have is I don't have a huge client base that I have to continually please. You know, those guys are chasing sales and, you know, guitar players can be kind of finicky and fickle. I mean, if it's not, you know, the people are like, oh, if it's not, you know, mahogany body, then I'm not playing it. And those guys got, you know, other people to answer to where I, you know, I've got some some leeway to make I use, you know, more local woods, sometimes a little bit non-traditional stuff like I. Um, I use a lot of walnut and a lot of cherry and stuff because I'd like the looks of it. I like the way it works and I can get it, you know, local. I mean, I, there's a lumber yard here, uh, that the guy's got a, just a small family mill operation. I can go in there and just pick through board by board and he's got it all individually priced and the prices are pretty good. And so it's fantastic. I mean, I've even went to, um, you can even stuff at Menards and they're, 
craft bin that, you know, like a piece of figured wood will get kind of thrown in with the big batch of individually wrapped maple boards that they've got in there. I mean, they, if you look around, I mean, you, and kind of know what you're looking for, there's some, you know, cool looking stuff out there that, yeah, you don't have to, um, you know, have a hog it all up or have a warehouse to hold it all. Well, that, that's something that, I mean, you uh, being a, a builder and having, you know, knowing this is something I, I mean, I would have never, ever in a million years thought to do that. And that's one of those things where just because you're, you're doing it and you've got exposure to it, you know, and it's, it's just such a crazy thing. Cause like I said, I would have never thought about that. I would have never thought to go to like a Menards and just be like, what do you got? And then like, we got this scrap <laughs> right. stuff and it's like, I'll take that piece. You know, I would have never yeah. in a million years ever, like it never would have crossed my mind. And I, it's, it's just wild to think like you've got a lot of ingenuity when it comes to this. You're not just, um, like I said, you're not just slapping together. Like, here's this piece of wood. Here's that piece of wood. I cut it all there. It looks, looks like every other guitar I ever built. Cause like I said, if you go to your gallery, no two guitars you've built seem to look even remotely close to the same. <laughs> I think I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Are you custom making all these for people or how is this all yeah. going down? Uh, yeah. Either, either for custom orders for people or just things that I want to make for me. Um, uh, I've, I've went back and forth with the idea of, um, uh, you know, having a, like a kind of a dedicated line, you know, um, a design or a couple designs, a handful of designs that I only make these. And, and there's some benefits to that. I mean, I could, I could definitely streamline and speed up my build process if I, jigged up and built fixtures for just building, you know, guitars with this width of neck and with this depth of body and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, this, this only this headstock where the tuners are in the same spot every time. And, you know, oh, yeah. I can definitely speed up the process, but I, I mean, I'm like almost 50 and I, I keep thinking I only have so many guitars left in me and there's a whole lot that I still want to, to build. And if I just built like, you know, the same three models over and over again, I might, you know, make some sales if people really were interested in, in that particular body design, but I can't seem to say no to like custom project. If somebody comes to me and says, Oh, I want to build, you know, this. And, and I'm like, well, that's exciting. It's may not be something that I would ever really want to go buy, but I think it's, you know, an exciting challenge to be part of, you know, making this person's unique idea you know come to life i mean they've got all the specs and we talk through all the design um you know um decisions uh from the beginning of the build to the end of the build and and i have most of my projects have been that way and so some of those guitars on the on the website are you know client builds where the you know that was their idea to you know for, for instance there's a like a grover jackson inspired neo shown model but guy you know, wanted it to be a seven string. So we kind of took the shown model as a base and totally modified it and made it into a seven string. But in doing that, I mean, I have to make all the templates and jigs and fixtures and, yeah. and measure everything like from scratch every time. And so it adds, you know, just a ton of time to the entire build process. Well, let me ask you this. How much, if, if I was just like, Hey, I want a guitar like this and it wasn't overly complicated, how long would it take you like start to finish to build a guitar are we talking like a year are we talking six months or can you crank it out over i mean probably not a weekend but you know like definitely not a weekend for me anyway um so, so 
I it's been more than a year, uh, and it's also been around the six month time frame. Those were actually pretty good, um, uh, pretty good estimates. The if it's something I've built before, and it's um, something I've got, um, you know, jigs and fixtures, and maybe even templates made up for, I could. Um, depending on the type of finish that you wanted, it could be a matter of months. I mean, it could be like three or four months, uh, six months, um, if you wanted, you know, like a lacquer finish or something that needed some time, extra time to cure. Um, and then if it was like a full on custom project where we were starting from, you know, from zero, then I mean, technically depending on my you know schedule, it could maybe be that short, but most likely it's probably going to be like a year. Oh, cool, cool. So all these guitars have a lot of love put into them. It's not something you're just quick firing out and be like, boom, got it done, pay me, you know? it's right. oh, you're, no, no. you're putting the love into this and actually actually taking the time to make it uh, as much of a piece of art as you are uh, uh, 100% playable and and very <laughs> functional. Yeah, that's the, that's the idea. <laughs> and, you know, that's a, a fear I have too is that, okay, I'm making this one off for this one person um, what if I screw something up halfway through, you know, I don't want to be building, you know, like a, a, an expensive piece of firewood. And so usually in those cases, I'll build two or three of them at the same time, which mm-hmm. also makes the build process go longer. But in doing that, I like have kind of a, a practice one. It's not usually not three, but it's usually two. I have a practice one. And so I'm, you know, I'll, at the end, I'll keep it or, you know, whatever. So that I don't usually use fancy wood or anything making that one. But, but I use that as a guide for more, some of the more complicated design decisions or woodworking processes to say, okay, it, it worked out. You know, I, yeah. I didn't, um, you know, blow this one apart. You know, that's all cool. So then I, you know, move on to that step on the actual guitar itself. And so that's really worked. Uh, that's been a, benefit um and that i haven't you know knock on wood um <laughs> blown anyone's you know custom guitar up mid uh mid uh, build yet but okay yeah that's cool that's i, I guess i would have never thought to build like a uh, practice one first and then and then move on to the next one or use one as like the testing model and the other one can be what your final specs get to be at that's genius yeah, i I'm, have to do that uh, just because i don't you know i don't use cnc machines and i don't use um, any, uh, you know, it's all kind of hand controlled routers and saws. And, and so, you know, if I move forward with something that I think is going to work a certain way and it turns out to be, you know, like, Oh, you know, I should have done step 12 before doing this. Um, you know, those things I, I need to figure out, you know, ahead of time. And so not only, um, you know, do these, these custom one-off projects, um, look different but i mean in the the way they're put together it may mean that i've got to take like a whole new a whole new route to building them i mean a whole new perspective on well this thing you know attaches this way and so i really need to do this to the body before i do that piece and mm-hmm. so that planning um it also needs to change and so sometimes it's not just you know doing everything from step one to step n and just just the shape and the look is different i mean it's you know the pro- the entire process could be different as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking like even as far as like oh, I got to put the bridge here on this guitar, like something as simple as that uh, to someone like me could mean a disastrous effect if you end up putting it just a little bit wonky one direction or not quite pitched the right way. And I I don't know that it just 
I'm like, my palms are sweating just thinking about it. Like just making a, making a mistake like that would be absolutely uh, just devastating as far as building yeah, a guitar. You, you know, I think I learned more about building guitars from recovering from mistakes like that or similar things like that than I have in all of the, you know, the um, forums and that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, because you can only learn so much from, um, you know, a picture and the description. I mean, there's tons of great information out there, but when you actually put the bridge in the wrong spot or you actually, you know, accidentally <laughs> cut, you know, something too short, you're like, okay, well, well, you know, what do I make this into now? You know, I've got to recover from this. I've got, you know, three months into this guitar build. So it's no longer a strat. Now it's a, you know, a hawk, you know, it's a headless, you know, so yep. you have to, you know, you've got to figure out ways to recover from that. I don't have the luxury of just dumping it into the scrap bin and saying, okay, well, the next one's coming down the line. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I guess, you know, Bob's guitar is going to be this next one. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. one of the things, like you said, you can go online and everyone's like, I built this guitar. These are the specs. When I did this, I had to do one of these and stuff like that. But almost nobody will ever admit I made this mistake and this is how I fixed it. I mean, yeah. that, that's something you will not see too much of on the internet at all. Um, I mean, that's that goes for guitar building, uh, painting something. I mean, that goes everything. People are not too willing to admit their mistakes. Do you think some of that has to do with the fact that the mistake is actually like the biggest learn? Like you said, it's one of the places where you've learned the most. And so some people are like, oh, man, I, I stressed over this for so long. And, and this is actually where the real work is at in this is troubleshooting. And do you think that's why some of the people are less likely to give up some of their, their secrets as far as like, I, I messed this part up, but I fixed it this way. Uh, or do you think it's something where they just don't want to admit that they made the mistake in the first place? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, there's, it seems like there's a whole lot of, um, of guitar builders. Uh, and it's probably not just guitar builders. I mean, any kind of hobbyist that, um, and that, and I, I don't consider myself much more than that. I mean, a hobby guitar builder. Um, but uh, there's there's so much of those people that are just. It's so easy to put on this front of being, you know, making yourself look like a professional factory. I mean, it's so easy to build a website and to build, um, you know, and to put pictures out there. And and I I think people get wrapped up sometimes in like maybe trying to represent themselves as a little bit more than they are. And, um, and I, I've been guilty of that. And, you know, talking to someone, you know, who's interested in, you know, a custom project that I, I, sometimes I hesitate to say, yeah, I'm just a dude working in my garage. You know, I don't, you know, they use terms like, oh, you, you and your company and stuff. And so it's like, ah, you know, that's kind of maybe overstating a little bit. Yeah. But, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, um, I definitely, uh, am not, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just that they think they won't have uh, faith that they're not going to screw up their, you know, their project. If somebody, you know, some, if I wanted to build a, a car and I went to, you know, my neighbor who happened to, you know, have put together a few, and he said, "Oh, I learned a lot from all these tons of mistakes I made." I'm not quite so sure. I'd be like, "Okay, here's all my money. Build me, a, you know, the next car that you have to recover from all these mistakes." Oh, it's true. True. So I don't know. I mean, um, just I think it's, it depends on the client. I mean, it depends on what they're looking to get out of it. I mean, lucky I've been lucky that I've worked with people that were much more interested in um, or as interested, I guess, in in the process. You know, they were making the you know this pic. They've had the picture in their head or of this custom guitar that they wanted, and and uh, they were excited to be part of the process. They wasn't you know they didn't have a problem waiting as long as they had to wait or they. Um, 
you know, they understood that it, um, you know, I was making this up in in a certain way. I mean, as I went along, and they, in, you know, they were excited by that. When the, there's just as many people on the other end of the spectrum that are like, I'm not waiting a year. I mean, I'm I, I'm going to go to you know Guitar Center right now, and I'm going to pick from 500 guitars that they've got, and because I want it right this minute. And I, you know, what I that's a totally different person. I totally get that. Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. Uh, like the fact that you are aware of that uh, is is I can't think of the right word right now, but it, it's 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 the right way to look at things. Let me just say that because n- no two people are the same. No two people want the same thing out of something, regardless what it is. Building a custom guitar, or, like we said, a car, or whatever it happens to you know may be. So it's I mean it's very smart of you to not to just be like. Oh, people don't want to wait a year for a guitar. Like, uh, and my my shop is junk or whatever. You know, like it it makes sense yeah. for you to have the um the your head is in the right spot when you're thinking about this because what you're making is literally just as much an instrument as it is a work of art. Um, this is all being fabricated literally out of thin air based on someone's idea that they're conveying to you, which is it's no different than uh, consigning an art piece. Um, from somebody you know like hey i want you to make something kind of like this or like this and and maybe do it a little bit like this and they make you a painting or something you know it's it's kind of like my idea uh as as far as i have to convey it to somebody else and then they have to try their best to build this idea that i've described to them so it's really kind of cool you get to like help people channel their ideas into an actual physical thing that is like i said just as much a work of art as it is a 100 percent playable instrument I, yeah, thanks. It's um, it's been a blast. I think I got lucky enough to learn from the very beginning that, um, you know, if I if I wasn't upfront and honest with people in that respect to say, look, look, I'm, you know, I haven't built hundreds of guitars and and I, you know, I built some that I think turned out great and some that have you know some warts and things here, but I think that makes them all the more interesting and um, I think the type of person that's open to that is going to be the person that I really want to work with. And because the build time is, you know, extended compared to other factories, I have to work with this person for, you know, months, if not, you know, a year. And so, um, I'd much rather have that honest relationship than, um, than try to represent myself as, you know, some professional guitar factory that everything is going to go perfect. And, and then have somebody that you know is is constantly upset because it's taking too long, or you know it didn't turn out exactly the way that we had discussed, or or was in their mind's eye, and so then you know just have a disappointed person. I mean that's no good for either one of us. So yeah, um, I, I guess I've knowing that that's the type of person that I want to work with long term. It it works for me to be honest at the beginning because then if it turns off the other people, then I it's fine because I you know I didn't really probably need to work with them anyway plus it gives me more time to build you know all the guitars that i want for me so yeah it makes um, sense yep i mean it's like if you're if you're selling apples and someone's like i want an orange and you're just like i don't have oranges you know and then yeah. you, i mean it, to- it totally makes sense you know <laughs> right <laughs> it's, it's i mean as as laughable as it is not everybody thinks that way though. Like, um, I mean, it's easy to get downtrodden and be like, wow, this person didn't want to do the build because it was going to take, you know, six months to a year. And it's like, I mean, it'd be easy to just be like, well, you know, like me, you know, it's, it's sad, right. sad deal. But you, you've got, like I said, you've got your head in the right place, which is, 
uh, it's not like mind blowing, but it's it's very good to hear because it's it's not. So, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking on my own terms where it's like if somebody thinks that uh, I don't know, like Audible Farm, like oh, this is this something blah blah whatever, and I just I'd be pretty downtrodden if someone had. Um, you know, didn't want to do the podcast or something like that. But, you know, it's it's also I, I never really think about it in a positive aspect. So you got your brain in a nice positive spot, which is is very helpful, especially, you know, as things progress in our society where, you know, like lockdown and all that other stuff, it's 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 good to have your head in the right spot. And uh, it, yeah. it's very <laughs> it's very easy to see that that you've you know, you've got a good passion for this and you know what you want to make and who you want to make it for. And and you're willing to help people along with their designs and and have their visions come to life, which is crazy. I mean, it's it's the art the art aspect of this is not lost on me because this is like I, I've said it a million times. This is so much an art form as it is just simple woodworking, you know. And nothing about this is easy. Uh, I don't know if I would ever want to attempt this blindly on my own. Um, it's this is. It's, it's crazy cool stuff. I, I always, like I said, I've always wanted to build a custom guitar. I have no um, knowledge or any desire to try to build a neck, though. And I mean, that was always like the thing that was like, oh, this is this is too crazy. Oh, I got yeah, another, sure. I got a good one here for oh. you. Yeah. Bolt-on neck or glue-on neck? Let me ask you about uh, that. Have you done both, or it looks like yep. you got one of both, uh, at least one of both, on your gallery here? Yeah, I've done uh, more bolt on or you know screw in or however you want to describe it um kind of both i mean i um everyone just kind of kind of calls it bolt on it if it's not glued in really but i mean it's um there's kind of two different techniques and you either it's basically just wood screws that go through the back of the you know the body into the base of the like the heel the neck and so i i hesitate to call that bolt on because they're actually screws but yeah um, because the other method is like Something I've done as well where you actually um, uh, set in a threaded insert into the um, into the heel of the neck that accepts a, tr- a traditional bolt. And oh. so it's so you actually run a bolt through the back of the neck uh, and then it goes into a threaded insert that's in um, into the neck um, heel itself. And so I, I like doing that just because if you have to remove the neck, you know, more than a few times, you don't have to worry about the actually wood you know, getting stripped out. I mean, that's a problem with any kind of screw going in and out of, you know, wood, especially one where you're trying to tighten it as tight as, you know, you are your guitar neck. And so um, I've done both of those. I mean, the bolt on, you know, with the, with the machine screws is a little bit more finicky because the, instead of just driving a screw through a hole and into the wood, you have to, you know, the, 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 uh, the bolt position has to line up exactly where the threaded insert is. Otherwise, you know, it's uh, things are not going to, you know, uh, go together well. And you're, you know, worst case, you're going to, you know, totally screw up your bolt or strip out your insert. So, yeah, um, I've never really um, put a ton of um, investigation or a ton of uh, weight behind all the, the arguments. That's another argument uh, goes along with all the tone wood stuff is there's a big argument about kind of um sound and vibration transfer between you know the neck and the body and whether or not you want to have a glued in neck or whether or not you want to have a bolt-on neck and some people are on opposite ends of of the argument with whether or not the glue actually like inhibits you know vibration you know on a set neck so i it usually my decision is mostly based on 
Oh, the guitar design itself, kind of like where the, um, you know, where the neck meets the body. And if I've got, uh, if it's a design like an SG or a Firebird or something like that, or a um, Les Paul Jr., where the fretboard kind of terminates basically right at the head of the body, then I really like to use um, uh, like a set neck, a glued in neck, because then it gives me, a, a, you know, a, a a high level of fretboard access, like upper fret access, and you don't have a, a heel of the body, like on a typical, like oh, a Telecaster yeah. or a Strat, it's got a, you know, a pocket that the neck sits in that can get in the way of the palm of your hand when you're trying to play at the higher register. Mm-hmm. So, um, if I use, if I, if I can get away with, um, not using a heel on the body, then I do that, you know, something like a, a telly or a, a strap that the the fretboard rests more into the body than you have a need for, you know, like kind of a pocket for it to rest on. And so um, it's really the the kind of the style, the body and neck shape that kind of determine whether, you know, what kind of neck joint that I use. That totally makes sense. Uh, I'm glad I asked because I, I always just figured like it depended on who built the guitar. They're like, I like glued on necks and they just just glue it on to like whatever guitar or, you know, like, yeah, it can. I mean, it can be, I mean, you can find ways around it. If you just absolutely only want to do bolt on necks or you only want to do set necks. I mean, you can totally incorporate that into your design and, and modify it in a way that, um, you know, that, that allows it to happen. I mean, I, you know, you, you're subject to, you know, you need so much meat around the, um, the neck to make it stable. And so, you know, you're like, well, I got to, you know, I don't have enough meat to, um, to avoid using a heel unless I set the neck, you know, two inches deeper into the body. And so, you know, then the, you know, the body dimensions are different, you know, so, but if that's the way you want to go, you, you might be happy with, um, you know, that design decision. So, oh, so it is all, it is all possible to an extent then that's, that's also really cool to know that like, you're not just like, well, I'm building a Telecaster has to be bolt on. It absolutely has to be like, you could, if you had to, you could modify it and, and maybe even make, make some sort of a set oh, yeah. neck type deal. That's cool. For sure. I've made more, I've made more set neck Telecasters than I've made bolt ons. I think I've only made one bolt on. I, um, I really like, a like a long neck tenon, um, situation where the neck, even though it's not the fretboard, the neck actually goes deep into the body. And so I'll use, um, like an extended, like the body will extend into the, or sorry, the neck will extend into the body further than you can see. And I'll cover it up with a pick guard. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like a traditional telly, but if you, you know, the neck and body look like they join in the exact same way, but if you flip it over, there's no heel. I mean, it's just, uh, it's more like a, like a looks more like a Les Paul body mm-hmm. and neck joint where it just the neck just disappears into the side of the body and there's no heel there to get in your way. I've done that um, probably more than I've done bolt-ons. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, speaking of bolt-on telly, I'm back at your gallery on your website, which seriously, people, go to the website, check it out, slrguitars.com. <laughs> you got to look it up. The, tel- hey, hey. the telly on here with uh, the four pickup combination Oh, <laughs> is that the one that's yeah. bolt on or is that a glued on neck? That one is, is bolt in. It's a, it's like, it's got neck screws on it. And that, that's, um, um, it's just be a big, ugly monstrosity. It's, um, it's kind of my, uh, interpretation or a kind of a tribute to, uh, Steve Morris's, um, Frank and Telly that he used with the Dixie Dregs back in the, you know, seventies. Um, and, 
uh, it, and I had most of those parts laying around and I was going through a period where I was listening to a ton of Steve Morrison. So, and the Dixie Dregs. And so I was like, man, that guitar always looks so cool. And, you know, I'm sure if I put this together, I'll play just like Steve Morrison. So I put that together and, um, and purposely was very careless while I was making it. I mean, I let tools fall on it and get it all kind of bent up and dinged up and, um, you know, to, you know, kind of make it look a little relic, I guess, if you want to, you know, call it that. And, um, so that's fun, fun guitar to play. There's a ton of different tones in it. Um, nothing sounds like Steve Morse when I play it, but, uh, 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 it's fun to play. I want to say I, I saw on your Facebook page you made a post about that, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I might have. <laughs> <laughs> that guitar is so cool looking. I actually, um, uh, yeah, I, just, I see your post actually from from that on your Facebook page. But uh, well, that's another one. Go to the Facebook page, check it out. Tons of cool stuff there as well. But I actually like went to your website, found this guitar, copied the the link, and sent it to a buddy. And he was just like, dang, man, that's so cool. This guy's making guitars <laughs> in Iowa, too. And I, I mean... Yeah. We we're kind of into the whole like uh, ultra modded guitar type deal, and this I mean that one's another one. If you guys want to look at a fun guitar, go check that out at the uh, slrguitars.com website. That's that's a ton of a ton of fun. Like I love your gallery in there. There's it looks like there's one of just about every guitar you could imagine in there. There's uh, Tele style guitars. There's Strat style guitars. You got some pseudo like PRS kind of double cutaway kind of ish guitars. Um, there's a really cool offset one here. That's, I don't, I wouldn't even call it. It's not even like a telly. It's not quite a jazz master. It's something in between. Oh, yeah. That's a cool yeah, looking one. Sort of an offset telly, you know, like the base of that is kind of like, yeah, telly meets, um, jazz master. I've, uh, I've always been, I've never been a telly guy just because of the sound of them. I've never been into the twang, you know, of the bridge pickup in, mm-hmm. in the telly. But um, so I kind of wrote them off until I started building guitars and I had uh, an insane amount of respect for Leo's design and his idea in that. Not only that, probably with the Strat too, but just like the 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 function before form thing. I mean, like it's just a rock solid, super simple, you know, um, machine, you know, for a musician to use. I mean, it's not, you know, fancy finishes and and you know, carved tops and everything. I mean, it's just like as rock solid and dependable as you can get. And, and so that, and I've, I've in turn built a decent amount and I don't even really want to call them tellies, but I mean, kind of interpretations on that shape mm-hmm. because I've thought I've had a lot of respect for that idea, but I haven't always appreciated every little thing about it. And so then I incorporate it, you know, as a builder, I can incorporate things from other guitar designs that I like, you know, and so I've always hated, sorry, Leo, but I've always hated the Telecaster headstock shape. I mean, I think oh, yeah. I don't like it. That and so super slim fender headstock. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I I can use any headstock that I want because I'm making the design decision. So I could, you know, I totally change it up and put my own headstock design or, you know, like a few little things, you know, ch- different pickup configurations or not using um, a traditional, you know, metal tele bridge. I don't really mm-hmm. love the the saddles, like the barrel saddles on a tele bridge. So I could put any kind of, you know, I could put a stop tail and a tunematic on it, and you know, Ooh. be basically feel like it's playing like a Gibson, but it's actually, you know, shaped like a tele and it's super simple. So those are some of the things that I like. You know, a lot of the guitars I built for me are just experimenting with those ideas, experimenting with different 
design decisions, experimenting with different finishes. And um, they're not meant to be, you know, like a model that I want, you know, someone else to, to buy 10 of. I mean, it's just trying to see what works and what doesn't work. Well, speaking of people buying guitars from you, have you sold any guitars to people that play around Iowa? Like if I go out to a show in Iowa somewhere, will I see somebody playing one of your guitars? Is that a possibility? Um, in Iowa, there's probably, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dave Paris. He's a um, great guitar player in Cedar Rapids. And um, he's the one that I built the Neil Schoen inspired uh, seven string for. Okay. Um that's but, the one. Um, is that the one in your gallery, the slightly white one? Uh, it's like uh, the, maybe the picture's not right. It's gold. It's the shoreline oh, yep. gold. Yep. Oh, yep. I clicked on it. The, yep. I saw. I see a better picture of it here. Yeah. So I'm not a photographer, obviously, but uh, no, I, it was just the way the light was hitting it on the one picture made it look a little off white. But when you click on it, it's obviously gold in the other pictures. Yeah, that's something that I, I really to. Um, do a better job at and that's um connecting with more local people um because you know because there's so many internet resources and because you know i'm not in a you know i'm not out there knocking on doors trying to make tons of sales i basically went from one custom one-off project to another and in between you know what little downtime i've had that i've made progress on you know my own instruments and so um i've had enough business to you know to keep me going I, what i you know i guess what i've been missing is you know maybe the old school kind of way of uh, drumming up business and that's going out to like open mic nights or going out to see and you know five shows and talking to the musicians after the show and that kind of stuff uh so i honestly don't know if there's any more um awareness of locally than nationally that as far as me being a guitar builder well, uh, well, let's drum up some business for you right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, might improve that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> slrguitars.com. It's located here in Iowa, everybody. It's it's going to be hard to beat this. Right now I'm looking at uh, one of your double cutaway. Uh, it's almost like a Les Paul Jr. or like a Melody yep. Maker style guitar. It's yep. got the Tiger finish on the top. Uh, single coat. No, it's a uh, humbucker with two open rails on it. This thing is insanely cool looking. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. That was actually um, it. That was one of those test guitars that I built for uh, myself. Um, <laughs> this is a test I, guitar. This yeah. is insanely cool looking for a test guitar. I, yeah, that's uh, you know kind of joking earlier about finding wood and cutoff bins. The top of that guitar um, came from. Do you know what the restore is? Like the yeah, the handy restore. Yeah. So I was poking around in the restore, and I saw like. Uh, this uh, probably six inch wide um, piece of uh, like floor molding, what do you call it? Baseboard mm -hmm. molding just must've got pulled out of somebody's house and it had this ugly Brown finish on it, but it was like this insanely long piece and I could tell that it was maple. And so I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Well, I turned it to the back of the unfinished side and the entire thing was just like curly, you know, figured maple. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Holy crap, I can make, you know, a top out of that. And so that guitar is from another two or three dollar piece of wood that i just happened to find it at the restore brilliant man uh you know what to look for here so that's what that's what this is coming down to is you've well, done maybe this maybe i'm just yeah maybe i just go through enough dirty bins that i can <laughs> see it but. you got an eye for this man i'm i'm actually at the gallery i clicked on the picture i'm scrolling through all these other pictures the back of the neck even looks good on this guitar it is insanely cool 
Yeah, that that turned out pretty good. That um, the the finish was an experiment. I'd like the finish to be a little bit more orange than it, it's a little more brown if you look at it in person. But um, but get like I said, I mean, most of what I've been doing are just a, kind of my own experiments as I you know learn the finer points of of finishing especially is kind of a finicky thing that um if you don't do it you know over and over and over again um you, you don't really i mean eventually you're you're going to get a finish on the guitar but you you know it may not be exactly what you were going for but yeah yeah uh gosh this is this is super cool uh I got to say thanks thanks for sitting down and taking some time with me to, you know, sit and talk about all all your guitars and stuff. It was kind of Yeah, thanks for reaching out. It's um great to talk to you. I really appreciate the opportunity to chit-chat with someone else about, you know, about the music in Iowa and, and you know, guitar building in Iowa. Yeah, I anybody that's listening to this that wants to either have your own custom guitar or is maybe looking at some ideas or maybe you just want to so- see some really cool guitars, like I said, uh check it out there's a website down below otherwise type it in slrguitars.com unless you've been listening this whole time and cruising the website while i've been talking about it because this it's really really cool to see some of the builds you've got here um like like i said some of the woods are some of the coolest i've seen some of those uh bird's eye maple as far as like some of the stain designs you've got uh the pickup configurations every like everything is is really cool you've got modern meets vintage everything kind of just is uh, very unique to whatever it is. So if you want a guitar with one pickup, you want two pickups, you want humbuckers, you want four pickups, you want a seven string, <laughs> you want a bass guitar, hit them up. It's slrguitars.com. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, it's been great talking to you. Is there anything else that uh, you want to let everybody know while we're still on the line here? Nope, I think I pretty much rambled long enough <laughs> oh it's brilliant man i really appreciate you sitting down and taking some time out of your day to sit down and talk yeah, with it's me great talking to you thanks man absolutely Woo, steve Ryder, ladies and gentlemen that episode was awesome uh it's cool to sit down and talk gear with somebody that um makes the gear you know uh everybody that plays guitar likes to talk about guitars you know i like six strings i like bolt-on necks humbuckers and single coils and well, guess what? Steve's done it all, and uh, if you guys want to check out some of his stuff, highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Scroll down into the description section, find the link for slrguitars.com, or go there yourself. Check it out. Go to the gallery. Look at some of the cool stuff. If you want to see more pictures, check out their Instagram page or their Facebook. The Instagram page is packed full of, of pictures. Some cool ones, some not on the website. Uh, Steve's got a good sense of humor. I saw he had a uh, a post on his Instagram talking about how some some wood just doesn't want to be made into a guitar, and so you got to punish it. And uh, it was funny post. I, I dig it. It's it's super good. Steve is a great guy. Uh, I'm glad you know we kind of got in touch. It was a little bit uh, just by luck that we got in touch, based on the fact that uh, you know he made a Facebook page, he commented on something I did, and uh, we were off to the races, man. Uh, S- Steve's a great guy. He's been building custom guitars now for. I guess he said his first one was in the 90s somewhere, and and, uh, the website says he's been building guitars publicly for people since the 2000s, so he's been doing this for about 20 years. He knows what he's doing. It's Like I said, if you don't believe me, go to slrguitars.com, check it out. 
Uh, otherwise, on all the social media, it's at SLR Custom Guitars. That's Facebook and Instagram. I got links down below, so if you don't want to have to remember that, just come back to this you know, whenever you got time and scroll down and check it out. Uh, click on that link. Like I said, you got to check out the website and see some of the stuff in the gallery. It's, it's pretty sweet. Uh, anybody looking to make your own custom guitar, this might be the place to hit up. Uh, hit up Steve. Go to, like I said, you can go to the website and, and contact him through the website. Otherwise, uh, go to the Facebook or Instagram. Hit him up. Let him know what you think of those guitars. Some of them are really cool. Um, everyone is very individual to itself. Uh, there aren't, it's not like he's making. I made a guitar like this. Oh, I just made another guitar. Looks exactly the same. He's not doing that. He's he's testing out new things. He's making crazy stuff, and it's uh, like I said, it's art meets functionality. It's it's modern meets vintage. It's it's pretty sweet so uh yeah check it out steve's steve's got some cool stuff going on uh, i gotta say thanks to him for taking some time out of his day to sit down and talk with me and uh for reaching out and uh talking you know i i believe it was the matt woods podcast i did he said hey this was a great episode i really liked it and i said you know what let's check out what you got going on steve so we so we talked about it and i hope you guys enjoyed it because this episode was one of my favorites like i said i like i like gear talk and uh, there's nobody better to talk about gear with than the people that are making the gear so uh hats off to you steve for doing some of the, some really cool stuff like i said it's art meets functionality these guitars are neat uh check about slrguitars.com huge thanks steve i also want to say thanks to everybody that listened to this podcast if uh, you play guitar, you don't play guitar, if you listen to some of the previous podcasts and you're just curious as to who some of these people are I'm talking to, check them out, hit them up, you know, I, I really thank everybody for just listening to some of these episodes and, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a, a litany of people, all sorts of different people from uh, professional wrestlers to comedians to promoters to other podcasters to musicians to people that build guitars to... Uh, you name it, uh, recording um, engineers. I've talked to promoters. I mean, you, like I said, you name it. I've talked to everybody on here, and uh, I'm just trying to just see what everybody's up to. It's really kind of cool that uh, we have this many entertainment options, and not only that, but it looks like you guys can have your own custom-built guitar coming straight out of Iowa. Uh, SLRGuitars.com. That's super cool. So hey, uh, thanks to Steve. Thanks to everybody for listening. However you found this podcast, many, many thanks. If you guys want to look up some more stuff on Audible Farm, go to www.audiblefarm.com. Uh, that's our website. We've got links to everything we've got going on as well as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, everywhere you can listen to our podcast. If you want to listen to the podcast on YouTube, go ahead and listen to it there. Otherwise, uh, it's available everywhere. You can stream podcasts, so you can download an app, search Audible Farm, find us, subscribe, listen to every episode. Uh, I just got to say, uh, I really, really appreciate everybody tuning in. We've had quite a few people listening to some of these recent episodes, so I, I really got to say thanks. Uh, you know, you can also, if you really, really want to support Audible Farm, you can go to www.audiblefarm.com, and then uh, near the bottom, there's a post about some T-shirts that we have. We've got T-shirts available. We've also got uh, hoodies available. Corrosive Screen Printing made us some hoodies and T-shirts, so shout out to those guys. If you guys want to support us, head over to the website find that post about t-shirts and sweatshirts um you know maybe if you if you like one let us know you can contact us through the website otherwise facebook or instagram or twitter shoot us an email whatever you got to do let us know uh, i'm willing to ship the shirts uh anywhere within the continental united states so uh that's pretty much anybody that's listening to this except for the the small handful of people that listen from overseas hey guys and uh you know what 
I just gotta say thanks to everybody for doing this. Uh, thanks to Couchtown Coffee. Really appreciate their support uh, every week. Uh, listening to live music, loving live music. If you guys want to know more about Couchtown Coffee, maybe scroll back a few episodes and listen to that inter- uh, interview I did with Andrew. Such a good guy. And, uh, you know, thanks once again to Steve. Thank you guys for listening. Dude, this this episode was great. It was really great. It all just kind of came together out of nowhere, and it was really great. So uh, thanks for listening. I will be back next week with another episode. Peace, everybody.